0: The title of my message this evening concerning the sixth divine exchange that took place on Golgotha's Hill is abundance in place of poverty, or you might say more in place of less. Amen? How many of you would rather have more than less? How many of you would rather have an abundance rather than lack or poverty in your life? Well, that was accomplished and provided for on the cross of Jesus Christ through this divine exchange that we Uh, have talked about. Amen. How many of you know concerning this, this divine exchange that took place on Calvary? How many of you know that Jesus left his place in heaven uh, so that we could have more and not less? Jesus actually left his throne room. He left the the, uh, royalty of heaven in order to be made less so that we could experience more. You see, the reality is, and the Bible tells us, that the devil is the one that comes to take away. The devil is the one that comes to snatch and steal and kill and to destroy. The devil, excuse me, the devil is the one that that comes to put a minus in your life. He's the one that comes to subtract from your life and just uh, make your life less than what it should be. And less than what it was designed to be uh, when Jesus brought you or God brought you into existence. The reality is, the devil is the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And that's what we're going to talk about this evening. Before we even get into uh, the, the abundance in this divine exchange, we need to understand what that word meant that Jesus used. You see, when Jesus spoke these words and the Bible was originally recorded, you know as well as I do that it was in Hebrew and it was in Greek. But what I want you to understand is that the Greek definition of abundance is outlined in John 10, 10 when Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But the original Greek word that Jesus used here is perisos, which means Excessive. It means superabundant in quantity and superior in quality. It means beyond measure and it means much more. And the reality is, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life much more. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life exceedingly and abundantly. Jesus was saying, I have come that you might have life. The devil's the one that steals, the devil's the one that comes to take away, the devil is the one that wants to see you in poverty, but I'm the one that has come that you might have superabundance of quantity, or quantity in your life, and superior in quality. That's the kind of life that Jesus wants us to have, and it's the kind of life that's available through the cross of Jesus Christ. So what Jesus was offering in John chapter 10, verse 10, what He was offering to His followers... What he's offering to you and me, what he's offering to this world, if the world is willing to receive it, was an opportunity to live a life that is superior in quality. A life that is filled with advantages. A life that is filled with favor. A life that is filled with blessings. Filled with goodness. Filled with joy. Filled with hope. Filled with peace. Filled with all of those things that we could not have without Jesus Christ. You see, what Jesus was saying in John chapter 10 is that I've come that you might have life beyond measure. A life that is more fulfilling with me than without me. How many of you know that life is so much better with Jesus in the mix? Amen. Jesus is the one that brings abundance into our life. And this is the divine exchange that took place. I've come that you might live far above the ordinary and have a superior life. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of life I want. I don't know about you, but I want to have the kind of life that is superior in quality, that, that it's better than the life that I had before Jesus came into my life. You see, the reality is, if Jesus came into your life and it's exactly the same as it was when Jesus came into your life, something's not quite right. You see, the reality is, if Jesus came into your life 15 years ago, 5 years ago, or 5 days ago, and your life isn't any better than it was back then, something's wrong. You haven't tasted of the fullness of Jesus. You haven't experienced and don't understand this divine exchange that took place on Calvary's cross. He came that you might have life, and not life like the world, not life like the lost, but life more abundantly. It's the kind of life God wants us to have. And listen, if you're not experiencing that kind of life, you, you, you've got to learn this. If you're not experiencing abundance of life and a superior quality of life, and I'm not talking just about money, there's something you need to discover about your relationship with Jesus Christ. He's come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. How many of you want to live an extraordinary life? How many of you want to live a superior life and a life that's filled with more? Then the reality is your life has to be filled with Jesus. The way you experience abundance of life is to have Jesus at the center of your life. You have to have the cross of Christ at the center of your life. If you remember some of the original messages that we had when I introduced you to this journey to the cross, one of them was the cross has to be at center stage. If the cross of Jesus Christ and Jesus isn't at the center of your life, you can't experience the abundance that God has for you. You can't experience any of the things that we've talked about. Maybe in tiny measure, you might taste of those little things, but you can't live in those things. And it's what we need to learn. Please keep in mind that as I go through this exchange, I'm not necessarily talking about finances the entire time. When I talk about, when Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, He didn't, He wasn't saying that I've come to make you a millionaire. Jesus wasn't saying I've come so that you can drive around in a BMW and a Cadillac, even though there's nothing wrong with that. And the reality is God can bless you financially so that you can do that. So I'm not speaking against those things, but I want you to understand that when Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly, it was much broader than money. He was referring to much more than just a wad of cash that you could tuck in your pocket or stick in the bank. He was talking about a life. He was talking about a a, a substance of life. He was talking about your entire being. I've come that you might experience life and life more abundantly. The reality is a trade was made 2,000 years ago where Jesus became poor, the Bible says, and we'll look at that in a second so that you and I could be rich. On the cross of Calvary, Jesus emptied himself, the Bible says, so that you and I could be filled up. The reality is 2,000 years ago, the Bible also says Jesus made himself nothing. He became less so we could become more. And the reality is, without Jesus Christ, we can't be more. But with Jesus Christ, I hope you're willing to testify, just like me, that when Jesus came into my life, something happened. When Jesus came into my life, all of a sudden, my life had more. I had more joy. I had more peace. I had more hope. I had more friends. I had more rest. I had more patience. I I had more. You see, that's what Jesus is all about. And if you're not experiencing more... You haven't experienced the work of the cross in your life. If you're not at that place, I encourage you to learn from this and tell God, God, I need more. I want more. I want the fullness of what you have made available for me through the cross of Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus did not say that I have come that you might live in poverty. Jesus didn't say I've come so that you can live in lack Jesus didn't say, I've come so that your life could be less than what it was before I came on the scene. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And if you hear anything, you're going to hear that probably a hundred times tonight. So you realize what took place upon the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't say, hey, I've come so that you can live under a curse. Jesus didn't say, I've come so that you can live like a pauper. Jesus didn't say that, I've come so that you can beg, borrow, and steal your way through life. He said, I've come that you might have life, and life what? More abundantly. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, you know, Paul is speaking here to the church. And he says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. How many, before I even go on, how many of you know Jesus was rich? Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus was the Prince of Heaven. Jesus was royalty. Jesus was part of the the ruler of the universe. If you don't think Jesus was rich, you're wrong. If you don't think Jesus was rich, you don't know Jesus and you don't know anything about Heaven. Jesus left a royal throne. Jesus walked on streets of gold before He ever walked on these earthly streets. Jesus was surrounded by royalty. Jesus had a place of power. Jesus stood among the angels. Jesus walked on streets of gold. And I'm not talking monetarily again. Jesus was rich. But guess what? He made Himself poor, the Bible says, for our sakes. So that for our sakes, we might become rich. So that our life could be filled with abundance. It's exactly why Jesus left. He knew that we were in poverty. He knew we were in spiritual poverty. He knew we were in mental poverty. He knew we were in moral poverty. He knew all of those things, but guess what? He stepped down off of His throne and He became poor so that you and I could be rich. Amen. How many of you know God's all about abundance? It says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty we might become rich. I want you to understand that God is a God of of abundance. God is a good and plentiful God. And I'm not talking about, you know, if you're my age, you know those old boxes of candy, good and plenty. You know, God's God's a good and plenty God, but He's much more than a box of candy. I want you to understand that He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He is the all-sufficient God. There's no one that can provide for you like God can provide for you. There's no one that can do for you like Jesus can do for you or God can do for you. There's no one that can pour out a blessing into your life like God can pour out a blessing into your life because He is a God of abundance. He is a God of plenty. I want you to understand there's no shortage in heaven this morning or this evening God is a God of plenty that the reality is the Bible you know the scripture he's able to meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory. He doesn't meet our needs based on what we have. He doesn't meet our needs based on what you've got in the bank. He doesn't meet our needs according to your 401K or what you have invested on Wall Street. He meets our needs according to His riches and glory. And heaven never runs dry. Heaven never goes empty. God's cupboards are never bare. I want you to understand God's bank account is never zero. There's an abundance in heaven. And when we become sons and daughters of Jesus Christ through the work of Jesus Christ, we have access to that abundance. Please don't, through this entire uh, lesson tonight, please don't be focused on dollar signs. Even though God can bless us financially, I want you to understand it's far more than that. Jeremiah 31.14 says, I will satisfy the priests with abundance. And my people will be filled with my bounty. Because God's all about abundance, church. God's all about more. God is all about you being able to live a quality of life that that is an abundant quality of life. That's what God is all about. He's a God about more. He's about adding to your life and not subtracting from your life. You see, when you're going through times of difficulty and you're suffering lack in your life or you think that there's an area of your life that's, that's struggling with poverty, I want you to know that doesn't come from God. He might allow some of those things to happen in your life, but that doesn't come from God. Poverty doesn't come from God. Jesus didn't come so that you might live in poverty. Jesus came so that you might have life and have it more abundantly, so that you could live a lifestyle and be different from that that's out there in the world in every area of your life not just finance not just financially he's all about meeting our needs according to his riches and glory he's all about providing for his people the bible tells us that god takes pleasure in blessing his children he takes pleasure in providing good things for his kids You know all those scriptures, and I don't need to get into all of those, but the the Bible is filled with passages that remind us of God's goodness and His desire to bless His children. And that's what we have to understand that took place on the cross of Christ. It was this exchange where we received abundance in place of poverty. He has come that we might live an extraordinary life. Not just an ordinary life, not a less than ordinary life. Jesus has come that we might have an extraordinary life that someone looks at you and say, Wow, there's something about their Jesus. Wow, there's something about, there's something going on in their life. And I'll look at that again in just a little bit. But he's all about abundance. Listen, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, do you think they came out paupers? When the children of Egypt, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, do you think they came out beggars? Do you think they came out lacking? Do you think they came out empty handed or in debt or in poverty? No. They came out with abundance, the Bible says. If you know this story, you realize. Listen, when they were in bondage, they were in poverty. When they were in bondage, they were in slavery. When they were in bondage, they suffered lack. When they were in bondage, they suffered less than what God had in store for them. But when God set them free... They left with an abundance. When God comes into your life the same way, without Jesus, you're going to live in poverty. Without Jesus, you're going to live in lack. Without Jesus, there's some area of your life where you're going to be less than what God has designed for you or desires for you. But when God comes into your life through Jesus Christ and sets you free, He sets you free to experience abundance, church. If you know the story, like I just said, when the children of Israel were set free, the Egyptians gave them all of their silver and gold jewelry and utensils and sent them on their way. They left with an abundance. The problem with the children of Israel, the problem was the children of Israel turned God's blessing and they turned God's abundance into a curse when they took the gold and they took the silver and they melted it down and they fashioned a big golden calf out of it and they began to worship it. You see the reality is you and I can take God's blessing and worship it. You and I can take the gold and the silver and the goodness and the blessings and the plenty that God bestows upon us and we can turn it into an idol and we can worship it and we can can turn that, that very blessing into a curse. And it's exactly what the children of Israel did. You see, the gold that they were given, and I'm not going to get into a whole bunch of theology, but the gold that they were given was supposed to have a special purpose. It was going to be used in the temple. It was going to be used in the tabernacle. That very gold that they used to make a golden idol and a golden calf was supposed to have made the the Ark of the Covenant. It was supposed to make the the mercy seat. It was supposed to make the angels that stood on the mercy, mercy seat. It was supposed to have been used for a golden altar for golden chains and for golden breastplates that's what it was supposed to have been used for for the advancing of the kingdom and for glorifying God but they turned it into a curse and they worshiped the gold instead of God and listen to me, church, the prosperity movement can teach you to do the very same thing. I want you to understand, I'm not teaching a prosperity movement here. I'm teaching you an abundance that God has provided for us, because the reality is you can take God's blessings in your life and turn them into an idol. You can take your car and turn it into an idol. You can take your money and turn it into an idol. You can take the position that God gave you in some big time company and turn that into into an idol. You can take what God meant to glorify and advance the kingdom and use it to advance the world and your own cause and God gets none of the glory. It's what the children of Israel did, but listen, Jesus didn't come so you and I could drive a Cadillac. Jesus didn't come so that you and I could drive a Mercedes even though He can bless us to do that. But that's not why He came. He didn't come to give you a a whole bunch of money that you can store up unto yourselves. You have to understand that Jesus blessed us so that we could advance the kingdom, so that we could uh, push forth the kingdom of God and the work of God. This is why he has come, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So what we have to be careful of, church, is that when God blesses us with an abundance, we don't turn it into an idol. That it's not the thing that we work for. It's not the thing we slave for. It's not the thing we sacrifice for. We need to understand that what God blesses us with is because He loves us. God blesses us because He loves us, and then that blessing is supposed to be used to bless others and advance the kingdom of God as well. The biggest problem with today's prosperity movement is it's all about gold and not God. It's all about the money, and it's not about the master, and we must be careful to not fall into that same rut. You see, God wants you to prosper. God wants to bless you. God doesn't want you to be in poverty, but He doesn't want you to take His blessing and turn it into an idol. And we must be careful of that, church. You see, Jesus traded a life of poverty. He traded for us a life of poverty for a life of plenty. He became poor so that you and I could be rich. He brought us out of bondage. Where we had to beg, borrow and steal our way to a blessing. See I don't know about you. But but I know there's been times in my life. When I wasn't right with God. And shouldn't be with God. And I had to beg, borrow and my beg, borrow or steal my way to a blessing. I never stole anything in my life, but you understand my figure of speech. You can be in such a place. You can be so far away from God that you got to beg for a blessing and you got to try to borrow a blessing from someone else. And you got to try to steal your way into a blessing, but that's not where Jesus wants us to be. He wants us to be in such a relationship with God that those abundance, those abundance of blessings just flow into our life. I don't got to go borrow a blessing from someone else because that blessing was made available to me through the cross of Jesus Christ. He became poor so that I might be rich. And when I identify myself with Christ and I am found in Christ and I live in Christ and I trust in Christ, guess what comes my way? Abundance. I don't have to beg for it. The Bible says that I can come boldly before the throne room of God so that I might find help in my time of need. This is what we have to understand, and it's what this this exchange made available to us on the cross. Jesus took upon himself what we deserve and gave us grace instead. It's what I want you to understand, church, about every one of these exchanges that took place on Calvary's cross. Jesus took what we deserved and gave us what we didn't deserve. From the very first exchange to this exchange, Jesus took our poverty so that we could be rich. He took everything that we deserved and gave us grace instead. The reality is we deserved and deserved to live in lack because of this thing called sin because of this thing called unrighteousness, because of this thing called wickedness, because all of our righteousness is like filthy rags, because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and because of that, we deserve to live in lack. We deserve to live a life that's that's less than ordinary and less than abundant. We deserve to live in poverty. I know we don't like to hear that, but the reality is it's what we deserve. But Jesus came and gave us grace instead, and through that grace comes abundance. And it's what was made available on the cross of Jesus Christ. How many of you know before Jesus we were living in poverty? I don't know about you, but I know before Jesus came into my life. I grew up in the church, but before I had that real right relation. How many of you know there's, this, there's, there's a, a real right relationship with Jesus? You know, you can grow up in the church like I did. You can grow up from age two and grow up in the church, but there's got to come a time where you see the Lord all by yourself. There's got to come a time where you have this encounter and you have this experience with God all by yourself. And when you have that kind of experience in your life, everything about your life becomes rich. You you come at that point from a place of poverty into a place of plenty. You see, before Jesus came into my life, just like before Jesus came into your life, you were living a life of poverty. I don't care how much money you had in the bank before Jesus came into your life, you were still living a life of poverty. You had moral poverty before Jesus came along. You had spiritual poverty before Jesus came along. You had mental poverty before Jesus came along. Thinking all kinds of wicked thoughts and evil thoughts and unrighteous thoughts and lustful thoughts before Jesus came on, the scene you had, you had Uh, mental poverty. Some of us, before Jesus came on the scene, we had emotional poverty. Breaking down left and right. Crying over this. Whining over that. Having uh, you know nervous mental breakdowns over this. We had emotional poverty in our life. But when Jesus came on the scene, He gave us an abundance that brought us out of this place of poverty into a place of plenty. And listen, the reality is, if you're experiencing any of those things in your life, there's still work for God to do. If you're struggling with emotional poverty in your life, listen, you've not appropriated the work of Christ into your life. If you're always crying the blues, if you're if you're always having emotional breakdowns, the power of the cross hasn't been truly fulfilled and manifested in your life, and you've got to ask God for it. God, I, I God, I, I've got this difficulty. I've got this mental mess going on. Uh, my emotions seem to rule me. My emotions seem to guide me. My emotions seem to lead me. But I know that because of the cross of Jesus Christ, you've given me an abundance. You've made me the head and not the tail. I don't have to be dragged around by my emotions. I can be the one that leads the way and and guides the way. You see, the reality is the head the head acts and the tail reacts. And the problem is so so often we live our entire Christian life as the tail being wagged left and being wagged right. We're, we're, We're being moved by the circumstances and the situations of life. You know that's what a tail does? It gets dragged around all day by what the head tells it to do. When the head is afraid, the tail goes between the legs. When the head is happy, the tail wags left and right. But the Bible said, Jesus has made you the head and not the tail. He wants you to act upon what He said and not react to the circumstances of life. So often we go through life like that little tail that's being wagged left and right. But Jesus has come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You can be the head and not the tail. You need to understand, this is the divine exchange that took place upon the cross of Christ. You are the head and not the tail. And he's caused you to be able to live in abundance and not in poverty. Poverty is part of a curse. Do you know that, church? Poverty at any kind, whether it's financial, emotional, spiritual, mental, relational, any sign of poverty in your life is a curse. But Jesus broke the curse, and you and I need to learn to take authority over that curse in the name of Jesus, and according to what the work that Jesus did on the cross. Listen. In Revelations three seventeen, God speaks to a group of people, a church, a group of people who think they're rich, and have need of nothing, and all of us have been there at some point. I'm rich. I'm rich might not be money, but, you know, boy, you think you're all that in a bag of chips. Most popular guy in the world. Most popular woman in the world. I don't need God. I don't need church. I don't need Jesus. I don't need the Word. I'm all that. I'm rich. I've acquired wealth. It says, this is exactly what they said, I have acquired wealth and I do not need a thing. But Jesus spoke to those individuals who thought they were rich and said, you know what? He said, you're wretched. He said, you're pitiful. He said, you're poor. He said, you're blind. He said, you're naked. He said, your life is filled with poverty and you don't even know it. You see, the reality is, he was talking to a church, and the reality is the house of God can be filled with individuals who don't even know they're living a life of poverty They don't even realize that poverty is having its way in their life. They don't realize that they, that their marriage is filled with poverty. They don't realize that their family is filled with poverty. They don't realize that their mind is filled with this curse called poverty. They don't realize that their workplace is filled with poverty. They don't realize that their thought life is filled with poverty. They don't realize that they are In in poverty, they don't realize that they are wretched and pitiful and poor and blind and naked. Listen, if that doesn't define poverty, I don't know what does. And Jesus said, listen, you can be in the house of God and think you're rich and still be filled with poverty. Listen, you as well as I know a lot of rich people who are still living in poverty. I know a lot of people that drive a lot of nice fine cars and live in a lot of nice fine houses and have have various houses all across the globe. I, I know a lot of people that have a lot of things that they've acquired unto themselves, but they are living in absolute poverty. They aren't rich in God's eyes. They're rich according to man. They're rich because their checkbook says they're rich. They're rich because their balance sheet says they're rich. But in every other area of their life, they're suffering lack and poverty. But Jesus, listen to me. we, We can get so limited with this abundance thing and think all it is is it's about money. It's not. God wants you and I to be rich in every single area of our life. If you recall last week and I talked about the blessing of Abraham, he gave us blessing in place of curse. The blessing of Abraham was the fact that he was blessed in all things, in every area of his life, not just financially. Yeah, I believe Abraham had money for today. I believe Abraham had some nice things, but every area of his life, he was blessed as well. Listen, the dude was a hundred years old, and he had a kid. He was blessed in the he was blessed in his in his in, in his being. His loins were blessed, and his wife's lo- uh, womb was blessed as well. He was blessed in everything the Bible says. And the reality is, we can get so short-sighted here in America when we hear about prosperity and we hear about abundance and we hear about more and we hear about all these things. All we think about is money, money, money. God, give me some money and it'll all be okay. But my my marriage is going to hell in a handbasket, but give me a little bit of money and I'll be okay. My family's falling apart. My son's doing this and my daughter's doing that. and And my other kid don't even talk to me. Well, give me a little bit of money and I'll be rich. It's got nothing to do with that, church. God wants to look at every single area of your life and say, Son, are you rich? He wants to look at every area of your life and say, Daughter, are you rich? Look at your marriage and ask yourself, Is my marriage rich? Does it have a super quality of life? We've got to ask ourselves with that with every single area of our life. Poverty isn't just about money. We can be in poverty with our relationships. I know a lot of people that have zero friends. I know some people that have, not a lot, but I know some people that have zero friends. You don't want to know why? They've got relational poverty in their life. There's something going on in their character. There's something going on in their life that prevents them from having friends. There is such a thing as relational poverty. You can have poverty in your marriage. You can have poverty of talent. You can have poverty of, of, of skills. You can even have a poverty of time. Seems like you can't never get nothing done. Where'd the time go? Where's it all? I want you to understand that God even blesses us with time. When the abundance of God is on your life, you're not struggling looking for time to get things done. Yeah, time will fly, but you're still getting things done. It's all about the abundance of God. I want you to understand that we can, we can experience poverty in any area of our life. Any area of our life. It's why the devil attacks every area of your life. If you think the only thing the devil's after is your money, you're a fool. Because he's after your marriage. He's after your mind. He's after your kids. He's after your job. He's after your position. He's after your family. He's after your, your, your relationships. He's after everything. He's the one that wants to take away from those things. And Jesus said, look, I don't care how hard the devil works. If you trust in me and you put your hope in me, and you understand what I did on on Calvary's cross through my son Jesus Christ, then you'll begin to understand that I've come that you might have life, and life more abundantly in every area of your life. You see, when you understand that you have a right to those things, as his sons and daughters, not because of anything that you've done, we've already learned this, but because of what Jesus did, you can pray for those, fight for those, claim those, cling to those, not let go of those things. This is what you and I need to understand. Jesus became poor so that you and I could be rich. And what we have to realize, I talk about some of these things. Listen, I want to go back just a second. When I talk about poverty in, in, in certain areas of our life, the reality is as sons and daughters of God, our marriages should be superior to those of the world. Our marriages should be superior. Abundance, if you go back to what the word abundance means, it means superior in quality. It means superabundant in quantity. So if Jesus has come so every area of our life can, can experience abundance, I'm going to apply that to our marriages or our families or anything else. But if I apply it to our marriages, our marriages should be, church, of, of premium quality. Our marriages should be filled with superabundance, but, but the sad reality is, and I, this isn't to condemn anyone, but the reality is the divorce rate in the house of God is equal to or even greater than the divorce rate out there in the world. There's something wrong with that. And we need to understand, we need to understand that that, that is not what the, the, the design that God had concerning our marriages or concerning our families, or, or concerning anything else. They should be superior in quality. Every area of our life, our family life, that is projected to the, this world should be superior in quality. The, the way that we do business out there in the business world should be superior in quality. If you have a business, the way you conduct that business and carry that business and, and promote that business and, and grow that business should be superior in quality. Your character should be superior in quality to that that's out there in the world. Your conversation should be superior in quality than that compared to that that's out there in the world. And we need to understand that church. Church. We need to understand that that He has come that we might have a superior quality of life, not not filled with poverty, but filled with all good things that are a reflection of the kingdom of God. You see, God causes us to be abundant so the world can look at us and say, Wow, God doesn't just bless you for you. God doesn't just bless me for me. God God blesses you so that you can bless others. God blesses you so this world that's lost and dying and and, in darkness can look at you and say, Wow! See, what's going on with them? They just lost a loved one. They've been in the hospital. Uh, They just lost their job. A storm just blew through their life. This, 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 and that. But But yet, wow! There's something about their life. You see, the reality is, please understand, when Paul spoke these words to the church that we were talking about prosperity and, and abundance, he wasn't talking about a prosperity movement, like I said. He wasn't talking just about material things as being used as an example of your spiritual maturity or the fact that God's blessing you. You see, just because someone drives a BMW or has nice things, or just because you see a TV preacher on TV with a Rolex watch and a three-piece suit, doesn't really mean that he's blessed doesn't really mean that, that every area of his life is experienced abundance. And this is what we need to understand. It's not what Paul was trying to teach. What Paul was simply trying to teach and remind us is that Jesus made a trade on Calvary's cross so that as his sons and his daughters, you and I might live lives of superior quality. That's, what, that's why he made this exchange, so that you and I can live lives of superior quality, lives like I just said, others will look at and say, I want that. I want a marriage like that. I want a family like that. I want faith like that man has faith or that woman has faith. I want joy like she's got joy or joy like he's got joy. I want that kind of peace. I want to be able to put my head at rest at night and have that kind of peace that that person has. You see, the reality is Jesus caused an abundance to come into our life. Seriously, church. So the world can look at us and say, I want that. I want that life. I want that kind of favor. I want that kind of blessings. I want that kind of goodness being bestowed upon my life. I want that. And so we've got to ask our questions. When somebody looks at our life, are they saying that? When someone looks at your life or my life, are they saying, I want that? That should be our goal. That should be our desire to be such a reflection of God's goodness that's bestowed upon our life that others would say, hey, I want that. I I don't know anyone. I've never heard anyone, maybe there's someone out there, but I have never heard of anyone saying something like this. Wow, I want to live in poverty just like they are. I don't know anyone that says, hey, I want to be a grump just like they are. I don't know anyone that has ever said to me, hey, can you tell me how to live in lack like they do? I'd love to be there. You understand what I'm saying, church? When this world looks at you and me, they're looking for something. They're already a mess. They might not admit it, but they know that there's an emptiness inside of their soul that needs to be filled. They look here for it, they look there for it, and they can't seem to find it. So they're looking for someone that they can say, wow, there's exactly what I want. They're not going to look at you. Listen, if you you and I can talk about Jesus all we want... You and I can talk spiritual talk all we want. We can come to church seven days out of the week. We can carry a big fat Bible. We can have Jesus bumper stickers all over our car. And we can wear t-shirts that have all kinds of scripture on it. But listen to me, church. If the world looks at you, if the world can't look at you and say, I want to be like that, all of our spiritual talk means nothing. All of our church attendance means nothing. If the world looks at us and can't say, I want to be like that, if they can't look at us and say, I want what he has, or I want what she has, all of our spiritual mumbo jumbo means nothing. You see, every word that you speak, they want to see if it's been accomplished in your own life. You tell them all about this great Jesus, well, they want to see a great Jesus at work in your life. They want to see that, that, that there is a God of abundance. They want to see that there is a, a God of plenty and, and a God of blessings. And we need to learn how to appropriate all those things in our life. Listen, I'm not saying you're never going to have trouble. I'm not saying you're never going to have difficulties. I'm, never, I'm not saying that, that it, life is going to be a bed of roses. I'm not saying that you're always going to have a bank account that is filled to the brim. I'm not saying those things, but what I am saying is that Jesus became poor so that you and I might be rich in every area of our life. And what Jesus was trying to teach you this thing is, look, you might have times of difficulty, but guess what? All things are possible for me. You might have shortage, but guess what? It's not based on your shortage. It's based on my abundance. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus is simply trying to teach us that I made an exchange 2,000 years ago where you don't have to live in poverty and you can live in abundance. And if there's any area of your life that's suffering lack, bring it to the cross. Conquer it and let it, let it have life. If they, listen, the cross is the only place you can find life. So if your finances are messed up, take it to the cross. If your marriage is, marriage is waning, take it to the cross. If, if there's any area of your life that's suffering lack and under attack by the devil, take it to the cross. It's where it's revived. It's where it finds new life. It's where you cover it in the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's where this exchange takes place. God will take your poverty and will give you a provision instead. Jesus didn't come. So that we could be poor. Jesus didn't come. Like I said. So you can drive a Cadillac. Jesus didn't come. So that you could wear a Rolex watch. Jesus didn't die for anything that was temporal. Or passing away. He didn't die. He didn't shed his blood. He didn't hang on Calvary's cross. For anything that was destined for destruction church. He didn't carry his cross to Calvary. For our own personal gain. So that we can just hoard it up and say, hey, wow, I'm rich. Jesus died to destroy the devourer in your life, and so that we might have life and life more what? Abundantly. When we talk about provisions and poverty, this is what I'm going to begin to close with. But when we talk about provisions and poverty, we have to know that there are three levels of provision. The first level is a level of insufficiency. How many of you know what insufficiency is? Because probably every one of us at some point in our life have been there, and some of you might even be there right now. Insufficiency. Insufficiency means you don't have enough. And insufficiency is a place, really, of poverty. Uh, The word insufficiency means that you're suffering lack. It means you're below and you're not above. Living in insufficiency means you're always coming up short. Living in insufficiency means you're always in the red. It means you don't have enough. It means you're always underwater. And some of us have been there where it seems like we're always underwater, always in the red, always borrowing and not lending, always. It seems like we're always under and not above. That is a place of insufficiency. And Jesus didn't come so that you can live a life of insufficiency. Jesus came so that you could live a life of abundance. And if you are suffering insufficiency in your life, take it to the cross and let God exchange that for what he has in store for you. I, I, I challenge you to take it to the cross so the blood can conquer that curse and so that you can step out from under insufficiency and begin to enjoy the abundance that God has for you. Insufficiency means that your quality of life isn't what it should be. It's not what it should be. And the reality is, as sons and daughters of God, we shouldn't be living in insufficiency. We should be living in a place of plenty where all of our needs are met according to the riches that God has for us. I hope you understand, church, that Jesus didn't come so that we could come up short. Jesus didn't come so we would always suffer lack. Jesus didn't come. Understand those things. Jesus came to take us out of that position and put us in a new position. The thief's the one that comes to take away. The thief's the one that comes to to remove those things from your life. Not Jesus and not God. When Jesus taught the 5,000, here's what I want to give you an example of who God is and what's available to us. When Jesus taught the 5,000 out in the wilderness one day, you'll know this story. The disciples came to Jesus and said, these, these followers have been with us all day. It's growing late and they're getting hungry. And Jesus, we shouldn't send them home hungry, the disciples said. And you'll know what Jesus said. He, said, he looked at his disciples and said, feed them. Well, you know, boy, they were so concerned about the, the, the condition of the people until the responsibility fell on them. Amen? I mean, how often we are like that, too. You know, when the responsibility put back on them. And Jesus said, feed them, and their mouths probably dropped to the ground. Why? Because they immediately found themselves in a place of insufficiency. Immediately found themselves in a place where they didn't have enough. Immediately, they found themselves in a place where it would take seven months' wages to feed that kind of a crowd. And even if they had those wages, there was no super center that they could go to and buy all that food. They definitely, absolutely found themselves in a place of insufficiency. But guess what? Jesus is more than insufficient. Jesus took five loaves and two fishes that were contained in one little handbag that a little boy brought to the hillside. And he multiplied it, and he provided an abundance. He fed 5,000 people, and numerically it was 5,000 men plus their wives and their children. A lot of people say that number could be up in the 10,000, 15,000 range. Jesus fed every single one of them until they were stuffed and satisfied, the Bible says. And guess what? There were 12 baskets left over. Because God is all about abundance. God is all about the leftovers. God is all about the goodness. God is all about pouring out a blessing on you that's pressed down, shaken together, and flowing over. He didn't give them just what they asked for. He gave them more than what they needed. And the reality is God does the same thing in our life as well. He's all about the leftovers. You see, if you're like me, you like to go to a restaurant that allows you to take home a little bit of a doggy bag. If you pay $20 for a meal and you swallow it up in the first five minutes, you go home thinking, what a rip-off. You go home thinking, boy, that wasn't enough. But if you're full and you're not hungry anymore, and you get to tuck a little bit into a doggy bag and say, I'll eat some of this tomorrow, you think, wow, what a good deal that was. And that's what Jesus is all about. Jesus is all about the good, and He's all about the plenty, and He's all about the leftovers. He's all about the abundance. And what you and I need to realize is that Jesus went to the cross. He made Himself poor so that you and I could be rich. He didn't come so you and I could live a life of insufficiency. He didn't come so that you and I could even live a life of sufficiency, even though that's a great place to be. Sufficiency means enough to get by. Sufficiency means just enough. It's no more and it's no less. And even though that's a great place to be, don't have to worry about my bills because I've got just enough. Don't have to worry about this because I've got just enough. That's not even where God wants us to be. You see, sufficiency is a great place to be. If you've got enough to pay your bills and all of those things, thank God. But Jesus said, I've come not so you could just be sufficient. I've come that you might be more than sufficient. I've come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. And here's the story I want to close with. You've all heard this. God's all about abundance. And it's what this exchange is all about. You know the story about the woman... In the Old Testament, in 2 Kings, I believe it is, where she had lost her husband and her husband left her with a huge debt. And when the debt collector came to collect the debt, she didn't have the money to pay for it. All she had was two sons. And the debt collector said, give me your sons and we'll call it even. Give me your sons and they'll have to work off your debt. Give me your sons and we'll call it even. Well, this woman wasn't happy with that, nor would I be, nor would you be. So she called on the prophet Elisha, and she told Elisha the story. And she hoped and prayed that this man of God would have a solution. And the man of God said to this woman, what do you have in your house that has any value? She looked around her house and she compared what she had to the size of the debt that had to be paid and there was nothing in her house. She said, the only thing that I have is of worth any value is this, this little jar of oil I've got right here, but it's not even full. It, 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 it's, it's partially empty. It's not enough, even though it's of, of value, even though it's uh, pure oil and it's got some value, it's not nearly enough to pay off the debt that I have. So what did Elisha said? Elisha said, woman, he said, I want you to go around your house and I want you to collect all the jars and the containers that you can find because God's about to pour out His abundance. Because God's about to pour out a blessing. Because God's about to do what no man can do. And, and, and woman... I don't want you to stop with the containers that you've got in your house. I want you to go to this neighbor and get his jars and that neighbor and get their jars and that neighbor and get their jars. I want you to go to this neighbor over here who's suffering just like you and I want you to get their jars and and I want you to go to that family who's suffering lack and I I want you to get their jars and I want them to, you bring them into your house because I'm about to pour out a blessing that you can't contain. I'm about to bestow upon you the abundance of my Father which is... In heaven, and what I want you to realize in the in the the word abundance, uh, the, the the Latin root meaning of the word abundance means a, a flow that overflows. It means a wave that overflows, and I, I simply want you to understand that what it means is it means a blessing that cannot be contained in a single vessel, and it's about what was it was it's about what was to happen with this woman, because Elisha looked around and he said, woman. This little jar is not enough to hold what God's got. He looked around her room and said, These five jugs I see in this one room, it's not enough to hold what God's got. As a matter of fact, I walked into your bedroom and I walked into your living room and I saw all the containers that you have in your house, but woman, that's not even enough to contain what God's got. So go to all of your neighbors and collect what they've got. And the, and the jars all came in. The woman began to pour. Filled up this one little jar, filled up all of her jars, filled up that neighbor's, that neighbor's, that neighbor's, that neighbor's. And while she's pouring, she's so occupied pouring out the blessing of God, she lost track probably how many jars she had filled. And and she looks, she doesn't have another one beside her, and she said, Son, bring me another! Bring me another jug so I can keep on pouring. Bring me another jug so God's abundance can keep flowing. Bring me another jug so this this goodness can keep coming into our lives. And the son said, there are no more. No more containers. And the Bible says, and the flow immediately stopped. You see, the reality is, I don't care how many containers you have, it can't contain the goodness of God. You and I are going to run out of jugs and containers far before God runs out of oil. I tell you that story simply to tell you, church, that the abundance that God is talking about cannot be contained in a single vessel. Father God, I just thank you for your word this evening. I thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ. I thank you for the divine exchange that took place on Golgotha's Hill. For all of the exchanges, God, but this is the one we're looking at tonight. Where the Bible tells us that even though you were rich, you became poor. So that through your poverty, we might experience your abundance.